This is Who Makes a Podcast. Conversations with your favorite podcast hosts about who they are, the shows they make, and why they make them. I'm your host, Chris Cookley, and my guest today is Dave Jackson. Dave is an award-winning podcast Hall of Fame inductee who has started over 30 different podcasts since 2005. His main show is School of Podcasting, where he teaches both new and experienced podcasters the art of podcasting. He is also an author on the topic, having written and published the book Profit From Your Podcast. Dave is one of those people who really know podcasting. I've been fortunate enough to have a few guests this year that really know podcasting, not just their podcast subject, but podcasting as an art. And Dave is definitely one of those. And he should be. He spent the last 17 or 18 years teaching people how to podcast. On this episode, we talk about what podcasting was like back when no one even knew what a podcast was, how many shows you should have going at a single time, Dave's entire process for making an episode of School of Podcasting, from researching to recording to cover art to uploading the files and how long it takes him dynamic content and various different ways you can use it, and it's not always about ads, uh, how he markets a podcast, and what it was like when Dave was inducted into the Podcasting Hall of Fame. For me, as a fan of podcasting, as someone who loves this medium, this was an incredible conversation to have had, and I would love to have Dave back as a guest again in the future. You can find Dave at schoolofpodcasting.com, and you can find the show notes for this episode at whomakesapodcast.com slash E23. And now here is my conversation with Dave Jackson. Dave, welcome to Who Makes a Podcast. Chris, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. I have spent the last two weeks diving into so many of your podcasts. And by so many, I mean two. I've only listened to two of them. But I've listened to a ton of episodes of them, the the School of Podcasting podcast and the podcast Rodeo Show, which has been really inspirational to me, uh, informative for me, thinking about how I want to make some changes to my show. But I'm wondering if you can remember back to 2005. You've been podcasting for a long time. Why did you start your podcast way back then? And what was that first podcast? Yeah, I was at the time doing a newsletter. Now, if we if we go back in time, at the time I was teaching pre-iPhone. computer stuff. Yeah, pre-iPhone, <laughs> pre-Google. Ooh, that, that'll make some people's head explode. And I was teaching people like how to surf the internet because they didn't know what it was. And I had been building websites and a friend of mine came back Uh, from a marketing conference. And he said, hey, you know how you missed the MySpace boat? I'm again dating myself. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, don't rub it in. He said, I just saw the thing that's going to be huge. And I go, what is it? And he goes, podcasting. And I Googled it and there was one and a half pages. And I was like, I think we broke the internet. How do you spell that again? (laughs) And I Googled it and there was one and a half pages. And I was like, hmm. And at the time, I had seen so many things like MySpace and all sorts of other things that are like, this is going to be the next big thing. And I would either jump in late or just miss it. And so I saw this. And when I finally pieces parted one together, 
I was like, all right, they, they were saying membership sites are going to be huge and podcasting is going to be big. And I was like, hmm, what if we put chocolate in our peanut butter there and make a website that teaches people how to podcast? And so I started to do, I had a newsletter for musicians. And so I just took that same content because you can't listen to my blog in the car. Yeah. And I, I turned it into a podcast. And within probably two or three weeks, I got a voicemail from Michael Van Lahr from Nuremberg, Germany. And I was at the time in the middle of absolute nowhere, Ohio. And some guy on the other side of the planet not only found my show, but liked it enough to record a quick little voice message and send it back to me. And I went, oh, wait a minute. This is global. There are no rules. I can be as creative as I want. And I just grabbed whatever flag I had. And I said, I hereby claim podcasting in the name of Dave. <laughs> and uh, that was it. I was off to the races. So one. 0.5 pages. I mean, you mean pages of Google results, search results. Yeah. So when you go to Google and you type in something, look at how many pages are at the bottom. Yeah, trillions. There was, there was one and a half. For podcasting. For podcasting. That's, that's incredible. I, so I said, I'm like, did we break the internet? I'm like, I've never seen this. So what was your SEO strategy at that point? <laughs> yeah, it was what? Put podcast in the name of the website. Yeah. The, the first couple years was just brutal because I'm trying to teach people how to podcast. And the first thing I have to explain to them is what's a podcast. What is podcasting? Yeah. You know, and they'd be like, do I need an iPod for that? I'm like, no. And then I'd finally explain, it's like a little radio show and blah, blah, blah. Once they figured out what it was, they go, yeah, I don't need that. I was like, oh, this is killing me. So it was a lot of fun. So was that back when, or maybe before even, um, I had tried to start a podcast at probably around that time, maybe a little bit later. And I remember needing to go into iTunes on my desktop to like upload the RSS feed into the Apple iTunes software for it to even be distributed on there. What, were you doing that? Yeah, there was that. And there was a, before iTunes, there was a very popular website called Odeo. And they had this cool thing where you could follow uh, different podcasts and things like that. And then Apple came on board and Yahoo shut down their stuff. Eventually, Microsoft shut down their podcast stuff. And Odeo, one of the most popular places for podcasts, shut down. Now, it came back later because they had that cool little follow thing, and they rebranded themselves Twitter. And so, oh, wow. uh, yeah, so at the time, it was just so painful to even subscribe to a podcast because you had the the little orange button for an RSS feed, and people would click on it and go, it's broken. You're like, yeah, you don't click on it because, you know, that would make way too much sense. Uh, you have to right-click on it and copy it and then go into whatever podcast app you had. Uh, mine was called Juice. It had a big picture of a lemon on it, and you would paste it in there, and then you would go to bed and you would wake up. And all your MP3 files would be in some folder on your computer, and you would plug in some sort of portable MP3 player that held something like 512 kilobytes. And you're wow. like, ooh. And you would plug that in. It would show up as a hard drive, and you would drag and drop your files on there. And you could listen in the car. And when you ran out of podcasts, you were out of podcasts until you got back home. And so when the iPod came along, you would basically plug it in. It would fire up iTunes. iTunes would grab all of your new episodes and put them on your iPod. So you basically just woke up, plugged the iPod in, and took a shower and came back and grabbed it and ran out the door. And then when the iPhone came along, and now I'm connected all the time, now I don't have to go back home to get more podcasts. And that's when things got really, really fun. So you said you were making chocolate and peanut butter, mixing them together. I remember that metaphor. Yeah. What was the first podcast that you made? Was it School of Podcasting? 
No, actually, it was called, and this is where it's fun, it was called the Musician Cyber Cool, uh, the Cyber Cooler. Why? Because, well, back in uh, 2005, the internet was called cyberspace. Cyber, yeah. Yeah, and so then cyber became synonymous with sex, so <laughs> yeah. then it became the Musician's Cooler, had a big picture of a water cooler on it, and it was the Musician's Cooler, where musicians come to trade advice, and people were still going, like, like a wine cooler? And I'm like, nope. So I rebranded again to the Marketing Musician, and uh, eventually people kind of figured out it was how you get more gigs and sell more CDs and things like that. And I had been doing that about six months, and that's when I was like, I'm not going to let this trend go by me. I'm, I'm going to actually do this membership site thing. I have no idea what I'm doing or whatever, but... I jumped in and launched the School of Podcasting and was like, well, there's a really cool, easy way to market your podcast, and that's to have a podcast. So that's when the the School of Podcasting was uh, born. I think like three weeks ago was like my 17-year anniversary for that. My first podcast was in April, and then uh, in October was the first episode of the School of Podcasting. Wow. you! I think you just published episode like 850 on the School of Podcasting. 850 went out on Monday. Yeah, it's... uh, that's still hard to believe. It's kind of bizarre. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I I think about Twit with Leo Laporte yeah. as being one of the, you know, obviously super long running podcasts. And I, I don't know if they've hit 800 yet. They may have. Yeah. It's uh, 17 years every Monday. You know, I have not missed a Monday yet. Oh, 884. Sorry. They're past 884. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's super cool. Is the musicians cooler still in in action. No. Yeah, I did that for 10 years. Really? And the music business had changed and I was no longer in a band and it just became that kind of for those of you that remember the commercial, it's time to make the donuts. There was a commercial this poor tired guy and he was a Duncan. This is back when Duncan was known for their donuts and he was just like, "Oh, it's time to make the donuts." And it was just I I had researched everything there was to research. I had no answers. I wasn't getting any new information from being in a band, and it just became harder and harder to do that. And the funny thing was is it sputtered out. So I went from putting out a new episode every week to, okay, I missed one. Okay, here's another one. Here's Okay, I missed two weeks. So it just started slowing down. And what was kind of funny about it is uh, he's a friend of mine, Matt Gibson, we did this thing because he was on Google Plus, yet another thing that no longer is with us. Yeah. And he had, he had grown a giant audience. So I did this long interview. And I don't normally do this, but I broke it into two parts because it was really long. And I published part one. And to this day, I've never published part two. And the, <laughs> the thing was, that was funny about it, is I published part one and not a single person besides Matt said, uh, where's part two? And that's when I knew, yeah, my audience is, is they're done with this. So do you um, still have the file? I still have the file. I actually yeah. am very tempted to put out part yeah. two and say, hey, here's part two of Matt talking about <laughs> Google Plus. I would, I would listen to that. I was on Google <laughs> Plus. That was yeah. better than... Uh, MySpace. Yes, absolutely. Was I right in the intro saying that you've started over 30 podcasts? Yeah. And that's where I kind of, to me, I scratch my head because there's only kind of one way to know if you want to do a podcast or not. And that's to start it and see how you feel about it. And an example was I started one 
and it was uh, my now ex-wife, and we were sharing stories about really bad dates, and her friend said, that should be a podcast, and the Dates from Hell show was born, and so this is where, this is how you learn. I We we started, I even had a custom 800 number, it was like 1-888-blah-blah-blah-dates. We had some cool intro music, and we shared a story a week, and we together maybe had six stories, and the whole time we're like, hey, you know, call the number and and throw yourself under the bus, basically, you know, yeah. talk about your horrible date. And then we thought the idea was that we would have, because at the time, all the different, uh, you know, Match.com and all, all the different dating sites had affiliates. And we're like, oh, we'll sign up to be an affiliate. And then, we'll, you know, that ties in with Dates from Hell. And uh, we thought we would market by making fake profiles on the different sites. And if somebody tried to date us, we'd be like, hey, guess what? Surprise, I'm not real. And do you have a dates from hell? Well, it turns out that, number one, we didn't do any research. And you can't make fake profiles. They kind of frown on that. (laughs) And number two, the number one fear among humans is talking in public. And probably, you know, the number one with a a bullet is uh, talking in public and throwing themselves under the bus. Yeah. So, and we didn't have an audience. So if you're, if you're doing an audience based show, you need an audience. And so we had a very small one and we tried to keep it going by finding stories on the internet. But again, it just became too hard to create content. And we went, all right, well, we've learned many lessons here. Let's take those into the future. So uh, I did one called the Customer Service Show because I'd won awards for customer service at my job. And I did about five episodes before I realized that, hey, you know what? That's my job, but it's not my passion. Right. And I, I just sounded like a grumpy old man. I went into the store today and, <laughs> and, 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 and I was like, okay, yeah, who wants to hear that? So, yeah, so that's how you end up with 30 different episodes. I just, my latest one, when uh, podcast trailers were kind of getting hot, and I decided to start the podcast trailer show where I would feature, you know, different podcast trailers. And that's when I learned I don't have any, con- I don't have any control over that content. And it drove me, like, beyond nuts, because my favorite was one for some sort of weight loss or health show where the person was literally just saying keywords. It was like protein, exercise, blah, 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 <laughs> blah. And never said the name of his show and never said his website. And I went, yeah. So I then I started doing a disclaimer. Like, hey, just so you know, I'm playing these promos because I found them, not because I'm endorsing the program. And yeah. I just went. And so... Earlier this year, I went, okay, what's the goal of Dave again? I'm like, I want to make the School of Podcasting the place for people to come and launch their podcast and grow their podcast. And I was like, is that doing that? And I'm like, no. Is it is it finding you new clients? No. And I went, all right, well, then it's out of here. So I, I was another one. I think I made about, I don't know, 12 episodes of that. And I went, yeah, this is not not something I want to put my name on anymore. So how many of those 30 are you still actively making? Probably seven. It's and they're all about podcasting. So the school yeah. of podcasting is the flagship. I started ask the podcast coach to test out a live system, and that was probably eight years ago. And I went to quit that. And by that time, I do it every Saturday morning at ten thirty. And at that point, I had a few people showing up. They're like, "Hey, you're like our Saturday morning cartoons. Don't quit." <laughs> and then I have two shows where I review stuff. One is the podcast review show. And I do that with uh, Eric K. Johnson, who's been like 30 years at iHeart and he's the podcast talent coach. So you can pay us to review your show, review your website. It's really kind of like group. It's, it's like a 
consulting call with two consultants. And then the podcast rodeo show was just invented because yet another media host had come on. And I said, I need to make a podcast that requires no prep. I just want to be able to hit record, get done, and I'm done. And so that, again, was supposed to be a temporary show. And I did it for about two months and was like, okay, I understand what's going on with this media host. And I went to quit. And again, my audience was like, no, you're actually saying what we're thinking. Somebody, somebody needs to do that. So those are those four. I do one called Building a Better Dave, uh, betterdave.com. And that is the best $7 therapy. Uh, I don't care if anybody listens. It's just me talking into a microphone because apparently I love the sound of my own voice. Well, uh, and yeah, and then uh, I... I just put to bed the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. I'd been doing that for about 12 years. The idea was, hey, if I announce how much I weigh at the beginning of an episode, it'll hold me accountable and I'll lose weight. And it did, and then it didn't. Yeah. And then COVID hit, and it was like, and I was, I, again, how many times can I say eat less and exercise more? Right. So I retired that one. So probably about five or six right now. Yeah, I mean, that's more than I have. It's not something I recommend. It really, if if I could... <laughs> you know, handle the disappointment of people going, sorry, I know you like the show, but I'm shutting it down. Yeah. I I wish I'd stuck with one show and just make it phenomenal so that people are like, oh my God, you got to listen to this. And that's hard to do because it takes time. And when you're spreading your time amongst four other shows, you end up, and that's why I shut down some of those because I was like, none of these shows are great at this point. They're all okay and they're listenable and I'm, you know, bringing value to a certain extent, but I could bring more value if I had more time to devote to them. Is there something, um, School of Podcasting, is there something on there that you think is is lacking that would make it more phenomenal? I mean, it's a pretty dang good podcast. You know, I think that's probably just me. I always think it could be better. Yeah. I could have more time. Some of it is, like right now I'm playing with Descript. I'm, I, buy, I bought a microphone. It's It's kind of review of gear stuff that I don't, uh, do as much, partly because I'm I'm not anti-gear, but I think people fall into a trap that I would get more listeners if I just had this magic microphone. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, nobody goes, hey, you got to listen to this show. Why? Because the, the audio quality is like butter <laughs> for your ears. That's that's usually not the recommendation. So we're using a, uh, a Heil microphone. Yes, the, the Heil PR40. Oh, that's not the, uh, I, I think that's it. Just a little more time. And then the other thing I would have that I have, but not as much, there's not a lot of buffer on the, uh, or margin, we should say. So if if life happens, uh, I'm kind of stuck. I, I go episode to episode every week. And it was nice because about a month ago, I had three in the can. So it was nice. And I was doing research and I was promoting and I was learning and things like that. And it's just one of those, I think I would have more margin in my life if I wasn't like, hey, it's Thursday night, it's time to do the podcast rodeo show. Hey, it's Friday night, it's time to do podcast review show. Hey, it's yeah. Saturday. It's, uh, you know, so, you know, that's one of those things where I, because I love podcasting and I love helping people, that's what kind of pushes me through. But there is part of me that goes, you know, you could actually, maybe you could lose weight if you weren't sitting in a chair all day. <laughs> do you have time? To uh, to listen to many podcasts. I mean, you're making so many. You're working. Yeah, when I uh, my background was in teaching, I taught a lot in the corporate world, which meant I had a commute, and I used to listen yeah. to podcasts all the time. I would listen, especially if I had a day where I wasn't teaching. I would basically just listen to podcasts all day. And when that job went away, I actually got a job in podcasting. I work for uh, Libsyn, which is a podcast media host, and I'm doing tech support. And to make a long story short. 
my brain is too tied up solving someone's problem because almost all the podcasts I listen to are giving me like stuff that I want to write down. So really, I want to give my attention to the podcast. So I don't listen to as much. So there are times I work from home and, and anybody that works from home gets this. There are times when I'm like, I'm going to the grocery store. I know I went there last night, but I need to get out of the house. Oh, yeah. And th- and that's where I listen and I walk around the block. But yeah, I used to listen to probably, oh, man, at least five to 10 episodes a day. And now it's more like two because I listen in the shower and I listen during my lunch and, you know, breaks and things while I'm doing the dishes and things like that. But it's, it's not as much as I used to. Hey, it's Chris. Can I jump in here for a minute and ask if you have thought about making your own podcast? If you have, you may have realized there's a lot more that goes into it than you might have thought. Don't worry. I have a gift for you. I want you to have my podcast quick start checklist. From what microphone and recording software you should use to how you host and distribute your show, I'm here to help with all of that and more. My podcast quick start checklist will walk you through everything you need to know to start your podcast. I'll show you what's actually important. To get my podcast quick start checklist, go to whomakesapodcast.com slash start and tell me where to send it. Now let's get back to the episode. So if I asked you who maybe a couple of really incredible podcast hosts that are doing things well in this space right now that other podcast creators could look to, should look to for inspiration or to study, would you have any recommendations of of people that are making really great shows? Yeah, one is Jordan Harbinger. He's a, a friend of mine and so many people look at somebody like Joe Rogan who kind of like interviews everybody. And you can do that when you're a famous comedian who used to be on TV and started your career in 1988. Yes, you can do that. Now, if if you don't check those boxes, don't do that. But Jordan looks like he's interviewing all sorts of people from astronauts to mafia people to, you know, um, he interviewed Kobe Bryant, you know, so sports people, but it's all with a, a tie through the middle, a theme, and that is critical thinking. So how, what can we learn from this person to think better and to identify BS maybe in our life and things like that? But the other thing he does that most people don't, again, because we've got to take the kids to soccer, is he actually reads the book of the author. Um, he actually, you know, watches the movie of the actor and things like that. So he does a ton of research. And the total Jordan thing was he was interviewing Kobe Bryant, famous L.A. Laker, yep. uh, just an amazing guy. And Kobe had put out a kid's book, and Jordan said, what What made you decide to start a kid's book? Because I know you were really into art in high school. And I went, who knew that Kobe Bryant was into art in high school? And I'm like, oh, that's right, Jordan Harbinger, because he does the work and did the research, which leads him to a better question. So Jordan's a great guy. And then two other shows... Uh, both kind of cover the media and or politics. And one is called No Agenda at noagendashow.com. That is one of the co-hosts is one of the guys that help invent podcasting, which is Adam Curry. And if you're in your 40s or 50s, you might remember him from MTV. And John C. Dvorak, who's an older uh, tech writer. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is they have millions of people that listen to their podcast. And when you get your news outside of the U.S., it's got a total different 
angle at it. And when you get multiple angles from multiple people, and then you go, well, let's see, this one station keeps saying that that planes are bad and trains are good. Oh, wait, that's NBC owned by General Electric. And what do they make again? Oh, that's right, trains. So they kind of dissect the media. They follow the money sometimes. And they talk about stuff that probably mainstream media should, but they don't. And then the other one is similar, and it is called Congressional Dish. And both of these try to stay like in the middle. They're not left or right. They're just presenting facts. And Jen reads the bills that go through Congress. And then when you actually find out what your Congress is doing in your name with your money, you want to punch somebody. Oh, yeah. And uh, what's really weird about that is she'll have this phenomenal episode and then you turn on the news and they're like, today, Kim Kardashian wore a red dress. And you're like, you're killing me. So those are, are, are three that are really well done. They give you information that you can't find other places. Like Jordan does deep dives. And if you look at any interview on, I don't know, Jimmy Fallon, it's like, hey, welcome A-list celebrity. Hey, I heard you went on vacation. Your kids are crazy. And right. roll the clip. Right. And Jordan, and it, it doesn't mean that it has to be long to be good. I think it's well thought out and edited so that there's not a like a lot of like fluffy, you know, let's talk about your cat kind of thing going on. So those are three shows that I like. I've heard of Jordan Harbinger before. I haven't subscribed to his podcast yet, but I think maybe you have convinced me and I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. He does something that is different, but Jordan can do it. He has two interviews, one on Monday, one on Wednesday, but Jordan's background, he came from a show called the art of charm. And he said, Hey, you know, because it was about kind of uh, body language and reading people and then kind of a pickup artist kind of thing. And he did it with a couple other guys. And he said, hey, you know, I'm getting old. I don't want to be like a 30-year-old pickup artist. And so he started the Jordan Harbinger show. And so what he still does is on Friday, it's Feedback Friday. And because he has a huge, and I mean giant audience, yeah, they send in their questions. And they're always like, I just found out my wife is a escort and she's already told me she's not going to quit working, you know, and you're like, wait, what? And it's it's always interesting hearing Jordan kind of pick it apart and here's what I would do and things of that nature. So he's uh, he's a guy that switches formats on Fridays, but Fridays are always amazing because you get these really bizarre questions. I want to go back a little bit to your your podcast. And you were saying earlier that I forgot exactly what you said, but basically you don't have any episodes in the can right now, right? You're, you're kind of making them as they need to come out. Yeah. What does typical production look like for an episode of school of podcasting? You have a lot of segments in there. Are like, are you, are you make making notes or? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a magazine in a way that like, Hey, we're going to start off with a, because of my podcast story. And then we're going to talk about this. And then I always have a thing of like where I'm going to be. Cause I, I like to do a lot of public speaking and then uh, the question of the month. And that is something that I started and then I quit. And my audience was like, hey, what happened to the question of the month? So I brought it back. And I actually, at one point, the question of the month was, what should the question of the month be? I was like, hey, you guys want this. You guys give me the questions because I'm running out of questions. So there's that. But uh, for me, my tool for this is Evernote. And it could be OneNote. It could be the note thing on your phone, whatever it is, because somewhere that is really like not a great time, you're going to get a brilliant idea. 
And I am here to tell you, there's a voice in your head that's going to go, oh, I'll remember that. That's a really good one. I'm not going to forget it. I'm here to tell you, write it down because you're going to forget it. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. So for me, that's Evernote. Uh, I love it because if I'm reading an email, I can forward an email to Evernote. If I'm on a website, I can clip it into Evernote. And so anytime I'm like, huh, what am I going to talk about this week on the School of Podcasting? I open up Evernote and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this now. And so it's kind of made pass one by grabbing my attention. And now it's been a couple of days probably since I've seen it. And so when I see it in Evernote, I'm like, okay, does this still excite me? Is this something I'm going to want to talk about? Or maybe I need to go read some articles or things like that. And so from there, I, I figured out, and what I what I changed probably about five years ago is I used to have like four or five bullet points and I would hit record and I would talk to my invisible friend across the desk. But I hadn't really figured out exactly what I was trying to say. And I, I'm sure if I were uh, seven years old right now, they would diagnose me as ADHD and, and just pump me full of Ritalin or whatever they're giving the kids these days. And so what I finally figured out, because what would happen is I would record the episode and as I'm listening to the edited version back and I'm uploading it to Libsyn, I would start typing out my description, which basically turned into a blog post. And inevitably, as I was typing this, I'd be like, oh, you know what I should have said there? You know what I should have said? And I was like, huh. And so now I switched it. Now I type up a blog to really figure out what the heck am I trying to say? What's the takeaway I want my audience to have when they get done with this? I do that. So now I've, I've, I've ironed out my topic. I take that, make my five bullet points, hit record and talk to my invisible friend across the desk. And I would say that editing is a little bit like, for those of us that remember the playgrounds with the seesaw, right? You sit on one end and the other end goes up. Mm -hmm. And I always say more planning equals less editing, but less planning means more editing. So it kind of, it's the same amount of time. It's just which one is less stressful. And so I'd rather spend more time planning it out. And that's still kind of stressful. Uh, but editing is like, oh, then you're like, why did I do that? And this and that, and that whole nine yards. So that's my kind of flow at this point. So I, I flush it out, I record it, I edit it, and I've already got the show notes done because I've typed the blog post. And uh, from there, it's just a matter of going into Canva to make some artwork and go to town. So you're writing the show notes before you even make the show. Yeah. And, and I try to, this is from a book called Secret Communication, uh, whatever, I'll send you a link to it. But the the bottom line of this is, Every presentation, or for me, it might be a segment, should have a paraphrased or a focus statement. So, for example, once I spoke at Podcast Movement, and it was about editing and the power of editing. And so my thing was, every podcast can benefit from editing. And then every slide then reinforced that in one way or another. So if I'm doing a segment or whatever it is, it's like, okay, Again, what's the bottom line? If somebody said, what's this episode about? What am I going to say? So I have that little focus statement. And then from there, it's a matter of like, okay, what other angles can we hit here and, and go that way? So uh, it's just a matter of getting organized and organizing my thoughts. How early are you doing that? How far in advance of the actual recording are you sitting down to write those notes? Because I mean, I, when I try to write a blog post or something, I mean, it could take me a couple days and it doesn't have to be a long piece. Yeah, the last episode, 850, was about Irma Bombeck. I just spoke at their conference, but it was also about, part of it was old people do stuff. 
I know that's weird to, to say. So I did all this research to find out that like Colonel Sanders didn't even start selling chicken until he was 40. Yep. And so I'm doing all this research on, you know, old people that started late. So I'm doing all this research. So I probably did about close to two hours of research, finding that, finding out some fun facts about Irma Bombeck. I I knew there was a story in the book Someday is Today by Matthew Dix about how some people just want to wait till till writing is perfect, when I have the perfect coffee shop and the perfect cappuccino and this and that. And, and that's not the way it works. You kind of have to go, you know, it, writers write, podcasters podcast. It, you shouldn't need the perfect environment uh, to do that was kind of his point. Mm-hmm. So in doing all that, and then I started recording, I'm going to say about six. So we're going to say it, it took me nine hours to make this episode. And I started around one and you know, a little time in there for some food, but uh, I start recording. And because I've done all this research, recording is actually pretty easy because I know what I want to say. Now, there's still times when my tongue and my mouth and my brain aren't in sync and you end up just going, yes, and you're like, okay. So I pause for 10 seconds. So it's really easy to see where the edit is uh-huh. and then just start over again. And then as it's actually exporting, that's when I go in to Canva and start making the artwork. So anytime there's something processing or going on, uh, likewise, the minute that is exported, I immediately upload it. Right now I'm using otter.ai to transcribe it. So that's going on while I'm making the artwork. And then as once the artwork is done, I, I go over and start grabbing the some of the blog post and putting it into the part that's going to go into my media host. Because I'm a kind of person, I don't want to put this giant war and peace thing into the media host because I doubt that people on a phone want to scroll and scroll and scroll and read. It's just like, hey, here's a paragraph about what's in here. Yep. Here are all the links that we mentioned. So all those books I mentioned and things like that, here they are. And here's you know my call to action. So join the School of Podcasting. And that's it. Because I'm not trying to attract Google in the app. That's on my website. That's where the giant blog is to attract my good friend Google, along with all my, you know, subscribe and Apple, Google, Spotify, and Amazon kind of thing. And that goes out at 12.05. I think this week I was done about 11.15. So like I say, it was around 9, 10 hours of of work. And that's just something, it can get a little freaky yeah. at times uh, when you're like, hey, you know, mm, still not quite sure what I'm doing, but... Uh, I've learned to just, you got this. You've been doing this a while. And and there there are times, I had one episode a couple weeks ago that, I, you know, normally they're around 40 minutes, and that's based on listener feedback. Originally, my original shows were 20 minutes because the average commute was 20 minutes in America. And then when I met my audience, they're like, yeah, the show's too short. Can you make it longer? And yeah. I was like, really? That's a lot of Dave. And so there are times when it'll be 25, 30 minutes because... I don't have anything to say. And the worst thing ever is the Dave Jackson power hour when I've got 15 minutes worth of content. So anytime I hear any podcaster say, hey, welcome to the show. You know, I don't know what we're going to talk about today, but it's Thursday and I promised you a show. I'm like, hit stop because that person is going to waste about 20 minutes of your time. So for me, a podcast needs to be as long as it needs to be. And when you're done and you've made your point, you know, say thank you, goodbye, subscribe, tell a friend and you're out. What about the other segments? Because you have like, uh, I think right now, you know, it's October as we're recording this, you have a, an October ad, I guess, running that you had recorded. 
are those like in a template that you have in your DAW or how are those getting put in there? No, no, that's another thing at the end of September that I was like, oh, I'm going to do a thing. I'm using dynamic content. I'm using a, a tool in Libsyn. There are so many people think dynamic content is all about ads and it can be because uh, it is in this case. I have uh, an ad that is there that in November is going to turn into a, a thankful theme kind of you know, because of Thanksgiving and that whole yeah. nine yards, even, even though in theory, you know, the people in Australia are like, what is this Thanksgiving thing that he <laughs> keeps talking about? Um, but also, where am I going to be? That's a dynamic piece because the the idea now is if you hopefully like the episodes and you go back, it doesn't do any good if you're listening to something from three months ago and you're like, oh, I missed him. I didn't know he was in Poughkeepsie. Instead, you're hearing, oh, Dave's going to be in Miami in November. So that's dynamic. And then the question of the month, same thing. Why do you want to hear that three months ago we asked, you know, what's your most annoying thing that you hate about podcasting? Well, no, you're still hearing about the October question of the month. So those are all dynamic and that's done uh, in a tool in Libsyn. So I just go in and uh, basically say, hey, from this date to this date, play this file. And on this date to this date, play this other file. And it swaps it out behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really cool. Yeah, there it's, it's one of those things, you know, not to be a giant Libsyn commercial, there's Libsyn, Captivate has dynamic stuff, Buzzsprout has uh, dynamic stuff, but it's just the beginning and, and end. Um, Blueberry, I think, in their enterprise solution, and Libsyn has, it's the enterprise solution that I'm using for Libsyn, which is a bit more, but if you talk to Rob over there, uh, we, we have a, a different version of the enterprise solution that's that's available. And so it's just one of the things that's slowly becoming part of of podcasting. Most media hosts are having some way to add dynamic content. Your most recent episode, 850, uh, looks like it's about 52 minutes. How much of that is the dynamic stuff? Uh, there's probably, I think the the October join the school of podcasting thing is like a minute and 20, if I remember right, which was a little long, but I was like, eh, I like it. And, you know, it, it, hits, it, it seemed entertaining. So uh, I, there's that. The question of the month is probably around three minutes. And then the where I am is really short now because I've only got one more speaking gig the rest of the month. So uh, maybe five minutes of that. Yeah, so not not too much then. Yeah. And the the rest was a because of my podcast story. And all that is, is I got tired of telling people, you should start a podcast. So in the last episode, a friend of mine, Harry Duran, started a podcast that's hyper niche on vertical farming and he's interviewed all the top people in that, you know, industry. And he was, he's like, hey, I'm boarding a plane to Dubai. And I'm like, that's because of my podcast story. Uh, so, you know, that's all it is. It's like, hey, you know, this guy got to meet Alice Cooper. Uh, this person met their spouse. All this stuff happened because they had a podcast, which is just another way of me saying, you should start a podcast. So there's that segment. And then uh, I think what else I had. Then we had my whole thing on the Irma and just hurry up and start podcasting kind of thing. And I think I had one other quick tip or yeah. something like that. So, All right. If you decided to start a new podcast, and I know this is a uh, strange thought for you to maybe entertain, but if you, if you decided to start a new podcast, what steps are you going to be thinking about doing it? Like as far as artwork, music, content management, website, what are you focusing on first? Do you go all in before you make any episodes and get everything set up? Or do you make some test recordings and see if it has legs or how are yeah. you going about it? Yeah. The number one is I'm going to do a couple episodes that I'm probably going to throw away because 
you know, the writers have rough drafts, actors have dress rehearsals, you know, just because you're like, look, I made an MP3 doesn't mean you should, you know, throw it out to the public. And that's what I did. Another thing about that trailer show is I had worked with a partner who was going to send me all these trailers. And in the end, uh, they kind of didn't. The tool they had didn't work as good as I thought it was going to. So what I thought was going to take me maybe 15 minutes, because these were really short episodes, wasn't. And so that's one where you need to figure out how much time is it really going to take me to, to do an episode. There's that. And then you need to figure out why am I doing this? So for me, my numbers go up in January because everybody and their brother's like, this is the year we're starting a podcast. And then my numbers go down in February because it's, we're almost like the gym. Like everybody yeah. starts in January and yeah. they quit in February. But the numbers for people that join my membership site go up in February. So my numbers go down, but my membership numbers go up. So I'm happy as a clam because I'm not trying to sell ads. I'm not trying to get my downloads up. The reason I do my podcast is I want people to join my membership site. So you need to know that. And then you need to know who your audience is. And this is where if I say, hey, I'm going to do a show about being more confident because shouldn't we all be more confident? Yeah, that sounds like a great idea, Dave. And you're like, wait, hold on. What if I do being a more confident parent? And you're like, oh, we just cut out all the people that don't have kids. You're like, yeah, but I think about it. Parenting is hard. You're like, yeah, great. Okay, that's it. We're going. Wait, hold on. What if I said being a more confident first-time parent. Ooh, now we cut out more parents. But first-time parents are like, eh, this thing didn't come with a manual. You know, nobody told me about meconium. What the heck? And you're like, <laughs> okay, great. That's great. Well, if we wanted to, we could say being a more confident first-time interracial parent. Now we just cut out a ton of people, but the people that are left are like, yo, this was made for me. Holy cow, I can't believe this show exists. So you don't have to niche down that far, but you do have to figure out who my audience is. And then the thing that most people forget, and I forgot when I did my last one, I was just like, it was kind of an experiment anyway with the trailer thing, but you need to get somebody who's not named mom and not your buddy from high school to listen to your show and answer the hard questions. Like, did you listen to the whole thing? If you didn't listen, when did you hit stop? Uh, How likely are you on a scale from one to 10 to recommend this podcast to somebody else? And What happens is when we ask mom, she's like, oh, look at you. You're so professional. Oh, look at you with the microphone. That's great. And okay, mom's not talking about your content. She's, you know, she's, she's answering the question, but she's not answering the question. So, and she's supposed to, she's mom. Mom is not going to give you, you know, great feedback. So, and I think that's the thing that most people skip because they just spent nine hours creating one episode. And the last thing they want to do is hand it to somebody who goes, oh my God, this is awful. But that's usually not the case. It's usually like, oh, this is great. I was a little bored here when you're doing the thing, but I get why most people don't ask for help, but th- they should. Uh, there's a guy I interviewed on my show named Jack Reicher. Uh, he does the Dark Knight Diaries, and yeah. he spent months, and he said that whole on a scale from one to 10, how likely are you to tell a friend? He goes, I was shooting for nines and tens. He goes, you know, that's an A is 90%. And he goes, I wasn't happy with a 70. And so he just kept going back and back and finding out what works and what doesn't. I, I was so happy when I spoke at this last event. It was a super supportive uh, community for this Irma Bombeck Writers Workshop. And I was sitting around and I was like one of 15 guys there out of like 400 people because Irma was a writer and she her audience is primarily female. And I sat down and um, 
this one woman said, hey, I sat in your session. It was really great. She goes, I, I have a kind of strange thing. She goes, can I give you some notes? Because you really pissed me off. And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. What did I do? <laughs> Make me better. Yeah. And she said, uh, you said busy moms are a horrible audience. And I go, I'm pretty sure those words didn't come out of my mouth. I said, but I said, when you think about it, I said, uh, I said, uh, busy moms, if you're doing a show for busy moms, you have to know who your audience is. So it better be probably five minutes because busy moms don't have time to listen to a 20 minute podcast. And she said, yeah, she goes, I am. She goes, I have a six month old. I listen in the car. I listen when I do dishes. I listen while I'm changing diapers. She's like, so just saying that she goes, first of all, there is no such thing as an unbusy mom. And I'm like, really good point. Yeah. So I, I'm always open. I was like, you know, I'm, I need to come up with a new example because that used to be my thing. Hey, busy moms don't have time to listen to a podcast. And I'm like, didn't realize that I might be offending busy moms who are listening to podcasts. So you have to kind of be open for feedback because the goal is to engage your audience and give them something that's so good. It's better than TikTok, more addicting than TikTok. And they're going to tell their friends. So you're starting with content, it sounds like. You're going to make some episodes that sound really good, that are engaging, maybe getting some good feedback on the audio. What about the rest of the podcast package? How are you approaching that? Yeah, a lot of it is, it has to kind of reflect you. Like all my shows have some sort of upbeat, funky stuff because I love upbeat, funky music. And I'm not exactly low key, but on the other hand, you don't want it to be that and that and that, da. Hey, welcome to the Dealing with Grief show. Dot and dot and da. You know, hey, <laughs> let's talk about death. That's just not going to be the way uh, it goes. So you have to kind of figure out what brand, how you want to position yourself out there. So, and, and realize you don't have to have music. I, I think that's kind of odd, but you don't have to. Uh, my buddy Todd Cochran starts off his show and he's like, welcome everybody. This is the new media show. That's Todd's intro. And he introduces his, uh, his co-host and off he goes. So that's one of the things about podcasting. There are no rules. There are best practices like know who your audience is and know why you want to do it. But you know, if you want to do a five minute show, fine. If you want to do a five hour show. Okay. I, I once uh, worked with a client. She did a three hour episode and her audience was like, that's too short. Wow. Why? Because she was doing a show for farmers and they're sitting on a tractor for yeah. eight hours. And they're like, Hey, that was good. Where's the next one? So I, I would start with that. And then it's a matter of artwork. Please don't make your artwork with a crayon. Uh, find a, a third grader that knows Canva and they can probably make something better than than you can or because you, you got to realize they see you before they hear you. Yeah. And don't cram too much on your artwork. Just make sure name is giant and huge. Uh, so there's that. And then make sure that you are in Apple, Google, Spotify, and Amazon minimum and make it easy. Make a page on your website. So if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash follow or slash subscribe, you will see the buttons are there. And the reason for that is Spotify and Apple. Apple's much better than they used to be, but they have horrible search. So when you say, find me whether find podcasts are available, I, I go back to my, I, I flash back to when I was a 16-year-old in a grocery store. If somebody came up and said, Sonny, can you tell me where the green beans are? I didn't go, oh, they're over in aisle three, where all fine vegetables are. No, I, I got up off the floor. I walked her over. I said, do you want these green beans or this one? And I put it in the cart because that any green beans in the cart meant my store was going to get paid, which meant we stayed in business. So you want to really like lead your audience right to here's the button you need to click on to subscribe in Google. Here's the other one that you can click on to subscribe in Apple. So that's that. And then you say, 
you know, you promote your brand, schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. And that way they get to hear schoolofpodcasting.com better. And also don't make that a Linktree thing. Come on. Linktree is simply copying and pasting. Just copy and paste a page on your own website because when more people point to that, your Google SEO juice goes up. So there's that as well. You know, so that's that, that. And then the thing I hear more and more when I, when I talk to Jack Reicher on, on the show, I said, what's your secret? Because he gets like six-figure downloads every episode. Yeah. And he said, oh, I, I asked my audience. And I went, okay. He's like, no, I, I slowly, specifically ask them to to share the show. And then I went and listened to other people who do this. And it's something like, hey, like dudes, like if you kind of want to, like you don't have to, but like maybe... I don't know. You can share the, you know, the stuff with, you know, somebody might like it. I don't know. You don't have to, whatever. Our website is.com. All right. Thanks. I'm like, wait, what was that? <laughs> where, where Jack is like, Hey, uh, you know, you're, we're at like 18 minutes right now. And we're talking about topic a, and if you know somebody else that, that likes topic a, could you do me a favor, man? It would just, it would mean the world to me. Could you go, if you're probably listening on a phone, if you could click that share button and share it with just like one person, that would be awesome. And I was like, I'm like, that's what you do? And he goes, yeah. And the reason why we all kind of do the, hey, like if you kind of maybe, I don't know, you don't have to thing is because when we start to promote ourselves, we all feel like a 1970s used car salesman who's selling you a bucket of of bolts. Mm -hmm. And I asked a client once, I said, so you're saying your podcast is a bucket of bolts? And she said, no, I probably spent nine hours on this one. I go, so it's helpful then. And she goes, yeah. And I go, so why are you embarrassed to try to help somebody. And she's like, Oh, I never, I'm like, yeah, it's not a bucket of bolts. I get why people think that, but I go, it's, it's not your, your podcast is not a bucket of bolts and somebody needs this. If you know who your audience is, then you probably know what they want and you're offering them something they want. So you're trying to help them. You're not trying to sell them. And that's just a, a mental hurdle we have to kind of get over from time to time. And then for promotion, it boils down to this and you've heard me say this like six times now, know who your audience is, go to where they are. So why was I speaking at a writer's conference? Because all those people are like, I probably should be podcasting. Yeah. So that's where my audience is. Then I didn't walk in and go, hey, Irma Nation, school of podcasting, woo! They're like, no, I went around and talked to every single person, and they're like, what brings you here? And I'm like, oh, I'm the podcast guy. Oh, really? And and I already made friends and had conversations with them. Like, well, tell me, what do you do with podcasting? So when you make friends first, then they care about what you say. And then it was just a matter of just, they would ask me podcast questions and I would answer them. So it's, it's that, you know, who's my audience, go to where they are, make friends with them, and then tell them about your podcast. Uh, I was, uh, in the early days, I found it wasn't even a Facebook group. It was a, it was a forum and it was for ex-DJs. And I swear when I saw it, I like angels or something, it was like, oh, and I was like, this is my target <laughs> audience. These guys want to get back on the air. Yeah. And I walked in and I was like, hey, the ex-DJs, I can get you on a global audience. Everyone follow me. And they were like, yeah, ban that guy. He's a spamming idiot. And they did. <laughs> so so you you can't skip that step three yeah. of, of make friends because they're not going to care about what you have to say until you bring some value to the conversation. That is, I mean, that's all unbelievably fantastic advice. And I very much appreciate you sharing it with me. Yeah, that's it. People don't believe this, but I, I there is still a very shy Dave in here. And so I was very happy that I was making new friends with complete strangers. But what I couldn't do, and I told myself, you're doing it this time, 
is when people came up and said, man, that was a great presentation. That was, I just want to let you know that was great. And in my voice, I'm screaming to myself going, pull out your phone and say, hey, as a joke, can you say that into my phone? And I just could not pull the trigger on that. And I was really kind of mad at myself. I was like, oh, dude, you need testimonials for your website and people are giving you them. And what are they going to do? Go, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say nice things about you. I I will do it here live, but I'm not going to do it into the phone. Right. They would have done it in a heartbeat. And I'm like, ah, you idiot. You just missed about six testimonials, but you are who you are and it takes practice sometimes. Yeah. I, I would have done the exact same thing in that situation. So you used, uh, I assume that you're using these speaking engagements as a, well, a form of teaching and, and giving for sure, but also as a, a definitely a way to market school of podcasting. Do you have any other maybe unusual marketing methods that people might not have thought about that you're using to bring listeners to a podcast? There are a few. One is rather old school, and I have no way of knowing if it works, but it's fun. And because I'm doing something, I feel like I'm somehow making progress. But if I find myself, let's say I'm I'm speaking at some place, and my choices are, well, I could go back to the hotel room and watch Friends reruns, or I could go out in whatever city I'm in and try to find, and this used to be easier. It's not as easy as it is now, but try to find a bookstore and I would have, um, I remember I had a bunch of business cards for my weight loss show. So I would go to the fitness section and whatever age I was, I would go, I remember I, for a while I was putting business cards on page 44 cause that's how old I was. And I would just put it there and why I would pick a number, because if I came back to that city and went to page 44, I'm like, oh, I've already been here. So that was that. There you uh, go. And it was just a matter of like, Hey, this person's reading about weight loss. Yeah. Let's put a business card in here. Cause it's my potential target audience. And the business card was just like, you know, here's the the logo, here's the tagline, and here's the website. There wasn't any kind of contact information or things like that. So that's one. I kind of hate the, hey, I'll interview you if you interview me. I, mm-hmm. I hate the quid pro quo. But there are people, like I'm on, I just did an episode. There are like 25 different websites where you can list yourself as a guest or you can go try to find guests. So when you're on another show, number one, uh, listen to the show ahead of time. And so you kind of know who your audience is. So you know who to talk to and try to bring value. And then I always make a point to promote it. So when we get done here, Chris, I'll be like, Hey, be sure to let me know when this goes live. Cause I will definitely promote it on my social for you. So, uh, that definitely works. I've had people, I do a, uh, a show it's on hiatus right now. Cause one of the hosts, their parents are, are the parent, his, his dad is going through some health stuff. So we kind of like, hey, let's take care of Pops first. But what's weird is it's two people that are technically my competition. It's called the um, Podcasters Roundtable. Mm-hmm. And we kind of created an un... It wasn't anything official. I just... Daniel J. Lewis is a friend of mine, and I would listen to his show. And I'd be like, man, Daniel just pointed out that Apple has a proxy blah, 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 you know, kind of thing. And I listened to Ray and he was talking about this cool thing for your camera. And we just naturally were talking about each other's show. And so when we would go to podcast events, I would meet up with these guys. And the one time Ray's like, hey, Google Hangouts just came out. We should get together in all these conversations we have geeking out on podcasts. We should record these and put them out. And so we did. It was done live, and we would let all of our audience know, hey, tonight at 7 o'clock, we're doing a podcaster's roundtable. And what would happen is 
somebody like Daniel's audience would come over and go, like, hey, that Dave guy seems to know what he's talking about. And likewise, my audience would go, hey, that Ray guy seems pretty cool and knows a lot about video. Yeah. And I we never saw each other as competition because it's not radio. It's not like we're all both, you know, we're all on at 7.30 in the morning. Right. You can listen to me on Monday. You can listen to Ray on Tuesday and you can listen to Daniel on Wednesday. And A, these are some of my best friends. And B, who else am I going to geek out about podcasting with? So that's another one. Don't view your, your quote, competition as your competition. You know, that could be a partner. So that's another thing. Um, if you want to do ads, there are a fun little trick is if there is an industry or some sort of magazine, these are these things made out of paper for anyone like in their 20s. <laughs> this this paper magazine. Books? Yeah, go to the back page. Shiny books. Yeah, they're shiny. They crinkle. But don't, don't go to like a full page, but find the little squares where somebody's advertised because that person has a budget. Yeah. And then you can even call the magazine and say, hey, I'm thinking about advertising in the back of your thing. Like, what's a whatever, you know, eighth inch, you know, blah, blah, blah cost. So now I know how much that person paid to be in the magazine. And you could contact them and say, hey, I saw where you advertised in yada, yada, yada magazine. Um, I have your exact audience you're trying to find over on my podcast, and then you undercut them. And so that's a little trick for, um, you know, getting advertisers on your show. That's pretty clever. Yeah, that's uh, that's from Glenn the Geek. He has 17 shows on the Horse Radio Network. In fact, Glenn just sold his whole network for uh, enough money that he can't tell anybody. <laughs> so I was like, good for you, Glenn. Yeah, that's a good problem to have. I had a thought yeah. about the the business cards in the books you were talking about, you, you didn't know if it was working or, or doing anything maybe, but it yeah. was still kind of fun. You could make unique links and transition them or, or make them into like a QR code so that people could scan the QR code and then you would know if the link got clicked. Absolutely. I uh, One link per city or something. Yeah. I use a service, I think it's L-I-N-Q, which is kind of a link tree thing. So as much as I'm not a link tree guy, the nice thing about it is you do get stats and you can tell exactly how somebody got to that site. So I just started playing with TikTok and I send them to a website which goes to that link page. And I just saw where Sticker Mule had, they always run deals on stuff and they had a deal on yard signs. And I do another, yet another podcast I do is about Akron, Ohio. I kind of kind of go on and off with that. But I thought, man, I could have yard signs and put them at all the really popular intersections where there's a long traffic light and put yeah. a QR code on it. And I was, I almost pulled the trigger on that. I'm, I'm, I think I was getting ready to leave and, you know, I didn't want it to arrive when I wasn't here, but that the QR codes are something that can definitely come in handy. I want to ask you about the podcasting hall of fame because you are in it. Uh, 2018, I believe you were inducted into it. What was that process like? Were you nominated by somebody? Like who, who decides who gets into the podcasting hall of fame? Yeah, it was started by, uh, Gary Leland, who was one of the guys, one of the founding fathers of podcast movement. And he also had a directory back before, um, the Apple days. So he's a, you know, he's an old timer, uh, in terms of podcasting. And so I'm not sure how we just came up with a group of like, you know, like all the OGs got together and he's like, Hey, we're doing a podcaster hall of fame. I want you to vote on this and that. And so I voted, you know, Adam Curry in and a bunch of other people beforehand. 
And so in 2018, they gave me my ballot. And every year, whoever gets inducted gets to vote as well. And so I put my vote in and, and everything was out. And I didn't, I was kind of like, well, like, who, who are we inducting? And uh, Gary sent me a, a text. He's like, hey, I'm having a, a problem. I need, a, I need your technical expertise. And so he called me on Skype. And he's like, yeah, I got this problem. And he's like, what? He goes, uh, I need to know who you want to induct you into the Podcasters Hall of Fame. And wow. it's hard to make me speechless, but I was like, say what? He's like, yeah. He goes, he goes, it's overdue. You should have been last year. But, uh, you know, so, yeah. So it's it it's one of those things that actually messed with my head. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. It, it did because I came back and now I'm this, quote, Hall of Fame podcaster. And my first episode back Everything was now in the lens of, well, is this Hall of Fame worthy? Is this Hall, is this, is this, is this is good enough? And so I finally had to kind of step back because it's like Monday's coming. And I was like, wait a minute, why, why did they induct you? Because I was just being me. Like I, every decision I make, every little tweak or turn of the podcast, it's something I do it because I think it's funny or it's educational or whatever. So quit worrying about the Hall of Fame and just be you because that's what got you in the hall of fame and the fact that I didn't quit. And so that's what I've done. But it, it, it took me a while to kind of like, you know, I, it's, it's just one of those things where kind of the way you're raised, I was one of those, like, you know, always be humble and, you know, put others first. And when somebody goes here, you're like, you, when your peers vote you in, yeah, it, it, that it's still kind of like, are, are we sure? Am I getting punked? Is this just like a really long punk kind of thing? So um, it was uh, very humbling. And uh, the thing that I was really surprised is I've taken the trophy with me. It's really heavy. And there's no like discount on groceries. I can't get <laughs> money off of gas. It's nothing. I'm like, but look, 2018. They're like, yeah, we we don't care. They, they need to make it into a ring. Make it look like a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. And then maybe... <laughs> You could get something for That's that. It. So they gave you a trophy. I was going to ask if there was like a, a building with a bust of your face in it that I could no, no. Uh, that I could it's go a, see. It's a piece of acry- a, acrylic, and it's got like a star at the top of it. Yep. And so the acrylic has this really pointy thing. And I should put this by my bed. So if anybody ever breaks in in the middle of the night, it just basically, you know, it's it's a great <laughs> little trophy, but it's also a pretty nasty weapon. I, I could take somebody out with this. Thing. That's a sharp point on top. Yeah, very much so. Listeners, you can't see this, but it, it's it's literally just a a, a large hand sized piece of plastic with a, a very sharp pointy star on top, and uh, definitely would do some damage if it got swung at your face. Yeah, and it's I'm not sure if it's because it's not plastic. It's it's really yeah, heavy. Yeah, That's the other thing. So if I, probably, yeah. I could stab you and then conk you with it over the head. So it's a trophy and a weapon. Yeah. So you know, it's two things in one. So no statue. No statue, just the just the trophy. Yeah, just a trophy. That would be uh, that would be that would take the weirdness to a whole new level. I, I live in Ohio. I've been to the football hall of yeah. fame with all the bronze statues, and a bronze statue of Dave would just be like that'd be weird. Are they in doing? Are they doing one person a year? Is that how? No, it's it's usually four or five. Okay, like when I went in, it was Keith and the girl. It was uh, mm-hmm, Doctor So and So. Uh, with the thing, I should know these, but it was 2018 <laughs> and I can barely remember what I had for breakfast. I remember Keith and the girl, um, you know, and, but, you know, Elsie Escobar from Libsyn's in there, uh, Adam Curry, the guy that invented it. We tried to induct Dave Weiner. He's the other guy that helped invent podcasting. And he's like, nope, no thanks. No, turn so, it down. You know, 
Yeah, Danny Pena from Gamertag Radio. Uh, last year was Evo Terra from Podcast Pontifications, and Evil Genius Chronicles is uh, Dave Schlusser. So, um, and Dr. So-and-so, who's now on CNN. So it's, yeah, if you haven't figured it out, Dave's really good with names. Yeah. Do you, have you done any of these, uh, any of these podcasts on your podcast rodeo show? I have not. That's not a bad idea though. First impression of the hall of fame inductee class. Yeah. Cause Evo, I love Evo because, and, and Evo and I have talked about this. We just have different backgrounds, different perspectives. And there are many times I agree with Evo, but there are other times when I really don't. And I love it because he makes me go, hmm, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong. So he uh, he calls himself a professional contrarian. And so he will come up with things and uh, that make you go, hmm, I've never thought of that that way. So uh, I, I like his show just because every now and then he throws me something that I go, I'm not sure I agree with that. And then I'll get on Twitter or Slack or email and go, what did you mean when you say that? So it's always fun, but I like that idea. On your podcast rodeo show, you review an episode of a podcast you haven't listened to before. So maybe maybe the uh, Hall of Fame stuff wouldn't work if you've listened to these podcasts. But yeah, because I, I kind of know the the host. Yeah, so yeah. it wouldn't be quite the you know cold you know open of that. What are some of the most common mistakes that you're hearing people make on their shows? Number one is probably the really long introduction. So joining me is Joey. And Joey's like, yeah, sup, man. I'm ready to do some chilling like Bob Dylan. <laughs> and Susan, hey, what's up? Party people in the house. All right. And then like 20 minutes later, and Bill. And then everybody's <laughs> trying to be funny. Yeah. Or if, if if I just said, I'm Dave, I'm Cindy, I'm Steve, I'm Mark, then we kind of know what everybody sounds like. We just need to put a name with that. Another one is... Hey, I'm interviewing Dave Jackson from the school of podcasting.com. He's a really cool guy. I talked to him for 20 minutes. Here's my conversation with Dave. And then you come on and go, Hey, today we're talking with Dave Jackson of the school. So it's a double intro. <sighs> I see that a lot. I was going to do that. Yeah. I think everybody's favorite. Uh, let's just start off with seven minutes worth of commercials. That's great. That's a good first impression or the really professional intro. So like, you know, welcome to the blah, 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 where we yada, yada, yada. Here's your host, Jane Smith. And then Jane sounds like she's in another state and her, <laughs> she's in a cave frying bacon. And so in the same way that something fast will make something slow sound even slower, yeah. right? It's such a contrast when you have a super professional intro and then, you know, the person comes on, they're like, hey, welcome to the show. And there's nothing but room noise. You're like, yeah, uh, maybe move the microphone near you. And that's usually the culprit there is the Blue Yeti microphone uh, because yes. it comes with a stand. So people put it. So it's already about, you know, two, three feet from you. It's set to pick up in every direction instead of just in front of you. So it's not a bad mic. It's just most people don't know how to use it. And then you sound like you're in a cave. And that just doesn't work, especially said the guy that just spent the weekend driving home, if you have where you're, you're kind of cavish in your audio, the person who doesn't sound like they're in a cave, you can hear them. And then when you come on, I have to turn up the audio because you're being lost in the, the sound of the tires and everything else that's going on. Mm -hmm. And so if I have to constantly turn up and down the audio, uh, I'm out almost immediately. So bad audio is one that's, that's really pretty easy to, to fix. I mean, you can buy a Samson Q2U. It's a $69 microphone 
and I'm right now I'm talking into a Shure SM7B. It's a $400 microphone, and I'm here to tell you there's not a $330 difference. It's uh, does this one sound better? Sure. Does it sound three hundred dollars better? No. And there's this thing called post production that you can do to tweak and add a little bass or a little treble and things like that. So uh, that's probably the the biggest ones. And my favorite, and I can say this because I've gone to church my entire life, is when it's Minister Bob and you know Happy Jesus Hour or whatever. And before they get to the content, they're pimping me for money, and I'm like, ugh, you got to be kidding me. So. To all my fellow Christians, please don't ask for money right up front. It really <laughs> perpetuates the stereotype of all Christians just want your money. It'll save your soul. Yeah, exactly. So there's that, those are just some of the ones I see. So or or the whole uh, we just had one. Uh, welcome to cracking the uh, spy movie code. But that was it. And then they said, and they did a really good job of of introducing people and got right into the content. But they didn't really explain what the show was about. So it should be welcome to the blah, blah, blah show where we talk about blah, blah, blah. So you can, a lot of people miss that one. Like what's in it for me. Mm-hmm. So you can blank on today's show. We're going to talk about such and such and such and such. And here's why you should be excited about it. And then you get right to it. My co-host on the podcast review show, Eric K. Johnson says, nobody gets on a bus unless they know where it's going. And sometimes we forget to let people know where they're going. And what happens is if they stick with you and then after about, 14 minutes, they go, I don't know what this is about, but you just wasted 14 minutes of my time. They might not be so inclined to hit play on your show again because you really wasted one of their top resources, which is their time. I don't want to waste any of your time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this is this has been so great. This has been a, a an incredible conversation. You are so full of podcasting knowledge and wisdom, and I didn't get to a third of the questions that I have for you, but I don't want to, uh, I don't want to take up your whole night. What is one of the most important lessons that you've learned about podcasting since you started? It really does boil down to who is my audience and what do they want? It's not the technology granted. You don't want to sound like you're in a cave, but even if you have great audio quality, if you're not serving your audience, what's the point? And then you also have to serve you right? So you have to know why am I doing this and who is it for? So if why I'm doing it is because I want to keep my brand in front of people, then maybe I do three shows that are really short. Hey, did you know that carrots are good for you? That's right. Carrots are good for you. I I say that because there was a show called, um, and that's the fun part. I can't remember the name of the show, but I do remember it came (laughs) from the Association of Christian Athletes because at the end they said, the show is brought to you by the Association of Christian Athletes. And it was like every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So that was their goal. Keep your brand in front of people. And it worked because I remember their brand. Don't remember the show. Yeah. I do remember the uh, the host was Jimmy Page because every time they said that, I was like, from Led Zeppelin? And so there's that. So you have to know why you why am I doing this? And then who is it for? And then where do those intercept? So what can I talk about that's going to engage my audience to do whatever it is I want them to do? while it also helps me do whatever the heck I want to do. And it's where those crisscross that's where the gold is. So create that, get some feedback on it, not from mom, and uh, you're headed in the right direction. What is something that I did not ask you that you thought I should have? Where can people find my book? That's the next question. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you? Profitfromyourpodcast.com. If you're looking to monetize your audience, that's uh, I hear it's very good. So From mom or from 
No, that was actually from Chris Kermitsos, the head of uh, PodFest, which is this large podcasting conference. And now he is a friend of mine. And and so here again, I was looking for somebody that I would know, tell me the truth, because I once accidentally shaved half my beard by accident. And I said, can I get away with this? And he said, no, go shave the other half. So you need somebody to tell you the truth. And so when I gave him my book, he's like, if anybody ever asked me about how do I make money with my podcast, he goes, I'm just going to hand him my book. And I was like, wow, thank you. So that was uh, kind words from Mr. Kermitsos. Yeah, that's fantastic. So profitfromyourpodcast.com. Is that the website? That's it. And then schoolofpodcasting.com. Where else can people find you? If you want to find everything, I will send you to that lovely Linktree thing that I hate. If you go to uh, <laughs> powerofpodcasting.com, you can see links to all my shows, my book, consulting, all sorts of fun things there. So powerofpodcasting.com. Excellent. Dave Jackson, thank you so much for coming on Who Makes a Podcast and speaking with me. This is fantastic. Chris, thanks so much, man. This has been a blast. That was my conversation with Dave Jackson, author, educator, serial podcaster, and host of the podcast School of Podcasting, which can be found on all of the major podcast networks. You can also find Dave at schoolofpodcasting.com. My name is Chris Cookley, and you can find me at whomakesapodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be an enormous help if you shared it with your friends or left a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. It really does make a difference. And if you host a podcast and would like to be my next guest on Who Makes a Podcast, please let me know. Go to whomakesapodcast.com slash guest and tell me about your show. This is Who Makes a Podcast. I'll be back next time with another conversation with another incredible podcast host. Thanks for listening.